Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. that the church many times can actually be a hindrance to people coming to faith in Christ. I think all too often we come up and, and all that the world sees are our programs and liturgies and rules and so many times we make it seem like God is so far away and all of these rules, all of these regulations have to be met before you even have a chance have a relationship with God, rather than the church focusing on the reality of the grace of God that offers forgiveness. What influence are you and your church placing on the secular world? Do they see you as judgmental hypocrites, foolishly standing as though you are superiors over them? Or do they see you demonstrating the love, grace, and goodness of Christ? Pastor David reminds you today that only by knowing Jesus and His Word and by truly making an effort to abide by His will. Will you be a worthy example to non-Christians? Recognize the characteristics of Christ and try to share them with others by acting just as He did. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he continues his message, Religion Kills, Grace Saves. Now here in Cornelius' house, it says that they are, again, speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Similarities of what took place on the day of Pentecost. There was this instantaneous, there was this visible and even an audible manifestation that couldn't be denied. And that's why some say that what's going on in Cornelius' house on that day was actually the Gentile Pentecost. Uh, for, for them, suddenly God, for the church earlier, for the Jewish church earlier on the day of Pentecost, it's totally separate from the Gentiles, Jewish believers only, now here in Cornelius' house, nothing but Gentiles, and God does a very similar powerful work. Same powerful work through that indwelling presence, that overwhelming, inflowing baptism of the Holy Spirit that God filled the Jewish believers on Pentecost. He's now doing it in these Gentiles. And then Peter answered, the end of verse 46 going on into verse 47. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him, they asked Peter to stay a few days. God had done this powerful work. None of them had anticipated it. Now we've got these new babies that are part of the, the kingdom of heaven and God was doing a work in them that they could not have imagined. Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus without becoming Jews first. Inconceivable. You look at that, that's not the way it works. It's gotta work the other way. 
It has to work that you become a Jew first, then you become a Christian. That's the mindset of the Christian Jews at that point in time. These babes in Christ, these Gentile believers, somebody has to now nourish them, direct them on into the truth. So Cornelius asked Peter to stay a few days. Can you imagine the richness of the Bible studies at that point in time? You're hanging out at Cornelius's house. Maybe you're a friend, maybe you're a neighbor, maybe you're a relative, you've come. You only came for that one day, for that one meeting. But then you hear that Peter's gonna be there for a few days. So every morning you're there bright and early because you wanna hear everything that Peter has to say. He's probably sharing about the Lord during breakfast time, and then after breakfast, they're having a great Bible study as he's sharing the reality and the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Again, the, the reality of God in flesh coming to visit. And Peter's sharing with them all that he's seen, all that he experienced with the Lord. Lunchtime comes, and while you're breaking bread together, having that great falafel sandwich, you're sitting there, and Peter is sharing the word of God with them. And then after lunch, everybody takes a nap. You gotta take a nap first. And then they come back and they have another great Bible study before dinner and then on into the night. How long into the night? Because Peter wasn't gonna stay there forever. He was only gonna be there for a few days. Can you imagine all that he's pouring in? Wouldn't that be an awesome time to just bask in the message and in the wisdom and in the presence of the Lord? Again, nothing more exciting to see than a new believer. A new believer on fire for the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit and growing in that grace and the knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing more exciting to see than new believers. They wanna tell everybody. They wanna bring everybody into that truth that they found. And then all of a sudden, what happens to us, church? What happens to us? We, we, we become settled in. We become, I'm afraid we become institutionalized. We, we suddenly, our, 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 our relationship and that fire becomes more just kind of the norm and we're just kind of floating away. And all too many of us have lost that fire of a new believer. Yeah, Peter was able to stay a few days. He ministered to them, he encouraged them in the word, but he needed to go back to Jerusalem. And I'm sure that the reception that he received back in Jerusalem wasn't exactly what he anticipated either. Look what it says. We're now moving, yes, into chapter 11. We're moving forward. Chapter 11 and verse one. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision came up to him saying, tell us about that great move of God among the Gentiles. Yeah, those of you that have a Bible, you know that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, you can't hardly believe what happened. God had moved powerfully in these Gentiles, and now these back in Jerusalem, they're saying, wait a second. You went into uncircumcised men and you ate with them? That was their issue. People had gotten saved, born into the kingdom of God. And they were more concerned about their rules, their regulations, and their statutes. Beloved, isn't that just exactly what religion does to you? It makes you care more about the rules and the regulations than you do about the people. Luke makes it clear there in the first verse. They had heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God, but for them, that wasn't the important issue. 
No, the important issue, the important thing that got them is that Peter, you stepped over the line, brother. You stepped over the line. So Peter then had to go back and explain the entire event to them. And he began to recount all of the events from his time on the rooftop there at Simon the Tanner's all the way through that coming of the Holy Spirit into the Gentiles' hearts and lives. And again, it's probably familiar to all of us if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, but let's read again what Peter is now sharing to the church leaders in Jerusalem, beginning there in Acts 11, verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Oh, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he himself had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. He's referencing to them back to Pentecost. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Who was I that I could withstand God? I believe at that point in time, Peter looked at those that were questioning him. You went into the house of an uncircumcised man. You ate with him. And at the very end of it, he's looking at these same guys and says, who is I to withstand God? And in the context of it, he's saying, and who are you to withstand God? God moved in these men's, these people's lives. Men, women, I believe children there in Cornelius' house. God moved there. Who are you to again withstand God? For us now, if if you've been with us, if you've read this, this is the third time that these stories have been given to us. I mean, first of all, they happened. It happened in Cornelius' house. Luke wrote about it there at the beginning of chapter 10. And then what happened to Peter there on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house? What happened there? Luke tells us about it. Then when Cornelius and Peter get together, Cornelius tells him what happened to him. Peter again recounts to Cornelius what happened to him. And now the third time, Peter is explaining it to these church leaders. All of this over again. What Luke is trying to tell us, gang, and I believe he's spending so much time on this, is because what's going on here in chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 11 is so dynamic, so different. It is 
is the beginning of a brand new thing that God is working by calling the Gentiles into the church in the same way that he called any of the Jews to come into that household of faith. Not to religion, not to the rules and the regulations, but to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see the power of that, not only by the events that were taking place in Cornelius' household, but we see it also just simply by the volume that Luke writes here, being led by the Holy Spirit to write what he's writing. And Peter wanted these guys, and when he got back to Jerusalem, these guys that were still stuck in half Judaism and, and the promise of Christianity, and they didn't know how to let go of all the rules and regulations. What Peter wanted them to know is the facts. He wanted them to know that this wasn't just some half-cocked idea of, of his to go and start preaching to the Gentiles. No, God had led him in a very direct and very personal way. And it wasn't just some kind of a halfway commitment to something or someone trying to pull the wool over their eyes that these Gentiles made a commitment and were baptized. No, what's going on here is a work of God and the gospel as it was explained to these Gentiles, it opened up a whole new world, literally a whole new eternity for these Gentiles as God moved into their lives. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. And one of the things we've been looking at as we've been studying Acts 10 and now as we move into Acts 11 is this whole idea of prejudice, and in particular, religious prejudice. And these leaders here in Jerusalem were filled with it. Peter wasn't trying to change the word of God to fit man, but he, one thing he was doing, he was bypassing the rules of man in order to see men saved. And that's the power of the event that we see here. And I fear all too often, I think that the church many times can actually be a hindrance to people coming to faith in Christ. I think all too often, we come up and, and all that the world sees are our programs and liturgies and rules. And so many times we make it seem like God is so far away and all of these rules, all of these regulations have to be met before you even have a chance to have a relationship with God. Rather than the church focusing on the reality of the grace of God that offers forgiveness, too often we speak of the wrath of God that's gonna punish the wicked. And yes, he will punish the wicked, there's no doubt about that. But as true as that future punishment is, we need to remember those words of Paul as he was speaking to the Corinthian church and he gave a long laundry list of, of sins, personal sins. And as he spoke to this Corinthian church and he says, oh, while we're listing this line of sins that the Gentiles or that the non-believers commit, don't forget, church, of such were you. But you've been washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You see, we look at others and say, oh man, they've got so far to go before they can come to faith in Christ. No, beloved, they don't have anywhere to go except opening up their lives to receive. Aren't you glad he takes us as we are? 
Aren't you glad you don't have to take a shower before you take a bath? I mean, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, okay, sometimes we need that, but uh, <laughs> kind of messed up my illustration. But, but the fact is, spiritually, God takes us where we're at, and then he begins to work from the inside to change a man. God changes people from the inside out through the work of his spirit, not by the religious rules of the day. Guys, our God is in the business of changing men and women and young people. But he does it his way through the work of his spirit. By changing them from the inside out, he can take the vilest sinner and he can make him clean. Not necessarily to man's standards, just so he can keep more rules, just so he can keep more regulations. Oh, we have a list of them. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. Uh, <laughs> praise God, yeah, amen. <laughs> but there's some, there's some Christian churches even today that in order to become a member of that church, you've got to sign a list of all the things you don't do. Glad says, come unto me. As a matter of fact, the offer of God is so caring and so loving and so direct. We can even go back in the Old Testament where everybody says, oh, the Old Testament, that's where all the laws are. That's where all the regulations, not in God's mind. Because God offers, he tells us in Isaiah chapter one, he says, come now, come now, come now. Let, let, let us reason together. I know that your sin is like scarlet, but I'm gonna make it white as snow. I know that, that it's red like crimson, but I'm gonna make it like wool. You see, it's a work of God, not a work of man. And in the depths of our sin, yes, there needs to be confession. There needs to be repentance. But with that repentance, we turn in full faith to receive that very promise of God. Still in Isaiah, God speaks to us in the 55th chapter. <laughs> in my New King James Version, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts. I like the word yo. Uh, yo, everybody who thirsts. If you're thirsty, God is saying, come to these waters. You don't have money, that's okay. Come and buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? In essence, the context, the understanding is this. Man, you're working so hard, you're giving so hard for this religious structure, and God is saying, no, you come to me. We'll straighten out all these other things. You come to me. You're thirsty. I will give you to drink. And he continues on. He says, listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. And that's our relationship with him, that we would delight in the abundance of that relationship with him. He says, incline your ear, come to me, hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Guys, we need to understand, even though that was the Old Testament, even though that was through the book of Isaiah, that promise wasn't just for the Jews. That message was for everyone who thirsts, everyone who's hungry, all those that have a desire to have their sin washed clean and to be able to stand in right relationship 
with God Almighty. Cornelius and his household, they heard the message, and that message changed their lives. But it wasn't a religious change. They didn't become Jews. You need to understand that. They did not become Jews and go through all the rituals and the ceremonies of Judaism. They were changed with a heart change, with a soul change. And it, again, they were being changed, as the Word of God says, they were being transformed into the very image of Christ. And as Peter stood before these Jewish believers there back in Jerusalem, the, these leaders that, again, were condemning him for daring to associate with Gentiles, he tells them there in verse 17, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And it seems as though on that day they began to understand. They seemed like they were finally getting the picture because look at verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God. That's what they should have done at first. They glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. For the time being, it seemed like, yeah, everything's flowing smoothly. Everything's great, man. The Jews, the Jewish believers, they're now going to accept the Gentiles. But you know what? We find out just a little bit later in chapter 15. They have this council again because there's so many Gentiles. It's one thing to have the household of Cornelius come to faith, but now we're seeing Gentiles everywhere coming to faith. We need to get a hold on this because our religion is getting out of control. We need to get control again. And that's what chapter 15 is. No, we're not going to reach all the way there today. You can rest ease. <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know that, again, it wasn't all settled because you see us. Some sheep are slower learners than the rest, aren't we? Yeah. You just need to understand, the enemy, the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, will do all that he can, both inside and outside the church walls, to, again, bring destruction and to force the stop of the message of salvation. Oh, you can't go and talk to them. You can't bring them into your church. No, we have to have a structure. We have to have that organized. We have to make sure that it's okay. You know what? I'm going to ask Jake and the team to come on. I, I, I think that Satan loves religion. Satan loves religion because it's the effort of man to make himself righteous by his own acts. And you know what? He will let you work all day and all night trying to be righteous on your own. He'll encourage you. Man, go for it, go for it. Keep going, keep going. It's all about you. You've got to do this. But he will do everything within his abilities to hinder someone from experiencing that grace of God through simple faith in that completed work of Jesus Christ. Beloved, religion kills, but only in grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone, will you find life, eternal life, in Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. 
Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.